the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We've got an awesome show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we will be interviewing Rabbi Shalom Bear Levin, who is the chief librarian for the Rebbe's Library, the Lagudis Chassidi Chabad Library, the Lubavitch Library, located in New York. Big things happening over there. It is the largest privately owned Jewish library in the world. And it's continuing to grow, and things are going on over there. So it's a wonderful thing. In the second half hour of the show, we'll be featuring some insights into the portion of the week, which is read in the synagogue. But this week, it's the portion of Vayechi. It's the end of Jacob's life, chapter 48, and following all the way to the end of the book of Genesis. We've got music very nicely sprinkled throughout the show. Before we do anything, oh, one more thing. We have a story at the end. Don't forget the story. This story is really pretty amazing. I came across this story and just went, whoa, that's pretty cool. But before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. An Israeli man was stabbed in Jerusalem as he walked to synagogue on Sabbath morning. The Arab was shot and killed. An Israeli woman who was taking her children to school in Jerusalem was stabbed in the back by a 14-year-old Palestinian girl. The woman is in moderate condition. The girl was arrested. IDF soldiers opened fire on a group of Palestinians that were throwing rocks at them in the West Bank. One Palestinian was taken to the hospital. 
Israeli officials will be attending the Winter, Winter Olympic Games in Beijing next year, unlike the U.S., who will boycott the Games to protest China's humane rights abuses against the Uyghur Muslim minority. The boycott applies only to diplomatic officials and does not affect American athletes who will compete in the Games. And finally, very interesting story, Pennsylvania will allocate $6.5 million for the redevelopment of the Tree of Life Synagogue, where 11 people were killed in an anti-Semitic attack in 2018. The money will be used to rebuild the sanctuary where the attack occurred and plant a garden in memory of the slain. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Let's start with a little music. Up next, for your listening pleasure, this is Yoni Z. The song is called Crown. On the roads you roam, trying to find your way back home. Want to call your own to belong. Though in tattered rags, wandering in foreign lands, there's a master plan, so take my hand. You're the son of kings, you're the child of Yosef's dreams, and you were born to royalty and honor. You're the daughter of queens, you're Queen Esther's legacy. Yeah. 
princes among men in the service of Hashem. It's a bond that never ends, no. And thank God for that. You are princes among men in the service of Hashem. It's a love that never ends, no. And thank God for that, cause we're the sons of kings, I'm the child of your safe dreams, and we were born to royalty and honor. Such a beautiful thing. You're the daughter of queens, queen masters like us. The song is Crown. We have on line Rabbi Shalomber Levin, who is the chief librarian for the Agude Hasidis Chabad Library, also known as the Rebbe's Library. And there's big things happening over there, and we're going to talk about those things and other things. How are you, Rabbi Levin? Fine, Baruch Hashem. Thank you for calling. It is our honor. Okay, so is it true that the Aguch Library is the largest private Jewish library in the world? If you're speaking about private, yes. It's, if you're speaking about uh, uh, rare old books that we have here, yes. Uh, there are state-run libraries which, we, which are certainly larger, but in, as a private uh, community, I think we are. Okay, that's interesting. So you're saying as you have more old titles. What do you mean by ancient or old titles? It's not the open for the public library. It's a research library uh-huh. where most of the forum are old and rare that researchers are coming in to check uh, safer that they don't have this print available and they want to check the original print or if it's an old book that is not reprinted, so they want to see what it says and make a copy of a bridge or two that they need. Okay. We we had, on a couple months ago, the chief librarian for the Jewish Theological Seminary, and we are talking about what was going on over there, and he, he gave us a very large number of rare books that they have in their book, rare book collection. Is the Lubavitch Library's rare book collection bigger than the JTS? I don't know. They are, uh, besides us, the largest collection of old books. I think they have, the l- uh, last couple of years, a difficulty with place, and they transferred many books in other places. Mm-hmm. But the general, it's a open for the public library, and there are mostly new books for the students to see, read, and learn. They have a department of old and rare books, and I don't know for sure which is larger or which is more unique. I don't know. That's the largest beside on the side of us. Okay. I'm not sure what number they gave. Our number in general, in total, we have about... 300,000 volumes, and most of them are old and rare. Mm-hmm. 
He didn't. He didn't say. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the librarian. If, if you can remember it, but um, he didn't say volumes. He said titles because they had other kinds, you know, all kinds of Judaica and stuff as part of. Well, I do not say titles because the Shas has 20 volumes, and it's a one title. A uh-huh. encyclopedia has 40 volumes, and it's one title. So when I say 300,000 books, I say volumes not titles. Titles may be less. Okay, so how does how does a library like that start, Rabbi Levin? It's collected mainly by the previous Rebbe and by the Rebbe over the last hundred years or so. Okay. Uh, usually, Chesidim are est and Rabonim, Mechabrim are est to send in a their books to the library to enlarge the library and they are mostly not purchased but donations sent to the Rebbe and the Rebbe stores it in the library. Okay. So what would you say? I'm a bit of a of a biblio geek myself. What would you say? Like I know that in the let's say for points of comparison the JTS library has a letter from Maimonides, the Rambam, and it has a a handwritten Rambam from the 1300s. Does the Lubavitch library have something like that that jumps out as part of its No, titles? we do not collect old rare manuscripts, only books, printed books, and we, had, we do have a collection of 3,000 volumes of manuscripts Mainly, they are chassidus written by the seven generations of rabbis or copied by the scribes from them. We also have other manuscripts. Some of them are dated to the 13th, 14th century, but only a few. We did not try to make this collection. The rabbis never emphasized and never tried to have a collection of old manuscripts. We do have some manuscripts of the period of the Arizal and his pupils. We have here the Shemayin Sheorim, original their handwriting. We have here the Biron Zeyar from the Ramak, which is the teacher of the Arizal in Kabbalah, and some other manuscripts from that period. But that's not the specialty of this library. The specialty of this library is in the old prints that we have very basic way collected over the last hundred years by the Friedrich Rebbe and the Rebbe and the first librarian, Chaim Lieberman, who was a bibliograph, and he knew how to get one copy of each old and real book, and that's the main collection. Okay, understood. Our guest today is Rabbi Shalom Ber Levin, who's the chief librarian for the Rebbe's Library, the Chassidus Chabad Library, and we're talking about the books. So, the... so. What's the significance of maintaining the Lubavitcher Rebbe's library now? Why is it necessary to have 
a library. I'm assuming that people are still donating books to it since it's a library. And but so, what's it? What is its purpose now? The the purpose changed over the years, especially in the last three, four years. I mentioned that the Friedrich Reber, when he started collecting books for a research library, in addition to his own private books, but the purpose for a general research library ran by Chabad, he explained that in, especially in those days, there was no library held in a movement hands, in a private movement hands. Collections was mainly state-run, or not, at least not in the religious uh, hands that we could really supply. The first large library collection was the purpose to collect these books over a period of 20 years and then it should be a large unique library run by Chabad which would bring in people from all quarters to visit Chabad and enjoy the, the service of Chabad's library. The last 20 years, the world changed in this subject. People are not going anymore so much to libraries to spend the day to look for books that they need for their research. Someone has to look up something today. He mainly looks it up in Google, in all kind of forms of Internet that books are available there in PDF or in text files. So that's the only way to serve people from a library. So therefore, we, over the last years, we scanned about 20,000 volumes of all the, the most rare and old books that we have in the library. We scanned many other parts of the archive of the library. We scanned a collection of about 50,000 pictures that Hasidim always used to send to the Rebbe and its coll the collection is in the library, and many other collections that we have on the site of the library for everyone everywhere to be able to go in there and see the pictures of it or the PDFs of it. So that's the way we are trying to serve. There are still coming in people to the research library to see, check things they cannot find anywhere, but not as much as 34 years ago. So we do have here in the library a exhibition that we every year display special collections for people to be able to see. And thousands and thousands are coming always to see the library as groups, schools, families, or individuals. 
we have tens of thousands visitors every year in this exhibition and we select every year or two a topic with items that we display and related to this topic but that's in general just for people to browse and see what they, there is in the library but as a research purpose for people to be able to check it's mainly now in the books form of pdf that we have on our site okay so what would i have to do then rabbi levin to be able to get into the, the i guess past the front door if i'm doing research and i really want rather than my, me personally I don't like looking at PDF files of books. I would like to see the book itself. So what would be a criteria for allowing somebody into the library then? That you would just ring the bell and come up in the reading room, which is a small reading room. And over there, you would have forms for if you have to look up a safer, you would have to explain what research you do, why you have to look up the safer, not just for people that would like to see books, old books, and then occupy their librarians to be busy with them, to look for the book and bring it up from the storage and then return it and put it back, which we do not do unless there is a reason for the research. So in the form, you would give your details and the research that you're doing and why you have to look up the safer. And then if the librarian sees everything is correct and there is no reason to suspect that they are just annoying and <laughs> occupying the librarian for no reason, then the librarian would come would go down the four floors and would find the books among the 3,000, 300,000 volumes that we have and would bring up the safer for him to be able to check what he has to check. And if he would need a copy of several pages, they would do it for them. That's all you have to do. That's interesting. Okay, so that is a lot. Is the entire collection in a digital card catalog? Can I, like, Yes, and everyone could check it from his own house. The address is chabadlibrary.org slash catalog. There you would be able to check and find any book that you're looking. Either it's in Hebrew, Yiddish, or English and other languages. There are separate catalogs for each language. So you would go into catalog and you would find everything that that we have okay. in the printed form. Wonderful. Okay, our guest today again is Rabbi Shalom Bear Levitt, who is the chief librarian for the Rebbe's Library, the Goodis Hasidi Chabad Library. Some, some major things are happening with the libraries and expansion. Tell us about that. That's what's going on there, As I mentioned, there is, for this week, we completed the expansion and the renewal of the new wing of the library. Since, as I mentioned, we have about 300,000 volumes in this library, the construction of the library 
expansion was 30 years ago in 1990. And then we had in the library about 250,000 volumes, which is a quarter of a million. And when we finished this com construction 30 years ago, we prepared space for the additional books that would be coming. It was uh, enough for another 23,000 volumes to be stored in our library then. This was filled up in the next 20 years from 1990 till 2010 about. Then everything was full and packed and big books are still coming in from all over, especially in the last years that more books are being published than in the past. And we just didn't have the space to put them in, to take them out from the boxes and put them into the shelves and catalog them. So we then the next adjacent house that belonged to the Hosedra May Ritkin was for sale and the Nogid Bitsak Miralashvili sponsored the purchase of this house. Then it needed to be rebuilt because our apartment house is not strong to keep the bookcases and books on it. So we had to tear out the walls and the floor and put in more beams in the floor that go from wall to wall. And then we should be strong enough to build on it the bookcases. So we were looking for someone to donate that till Nogit Rabiosi Popak decided that he will do the whole construction on his own expense. It took time till he got the permit until he did it. Finally, last week, the construction was finished, and the bookcases that we ordered summer arrived and installed, and we started moving the boxes into that uh, new wing. We, we transferred there all the boxes. Now comes the, the real work to take out the books from the boxes and set them in order and finish the cataloging. And it should be also available for the librarians to serve people. So there's four lag bay, four behaviors. The whole thing was completed. Books cases was installed and the book boxes was transferred to the new wing. Okay. You mentioned the day Hey Tavis has a significant day. Could you explain, Rabbi Levin, the significance of the date, the fifth day of the Hebrew month of Tavis, please? About uh, 35, 36 years ago, there was a large lawsuit between family members of grandchildren of the Friedrich Rebbe, and they claimed that this library was private property of the Rebbe, and therefore they want half of it for profit, to sell it and to get the profits, and they started taking books and selling, and there was a very famous court case. In the end, under Hay Davis, the Lord, the George 
gave out the decree that it all belongs to Chabad, to Agudas Hasidic Chabad, and all the books that he took, he has to return. He did return it, and that verdict was on Hay Tavis of 1987. And the next year, on the Hay Tavis of 1988, the Rebbe, there was a Fabringen and Shabbos, and the Rebbe then spoke about it, and he said that this day of victory of the library, every year when this day comes, it is Nizkorn Venasim. It's a James Gullo and Ace Hudson to everything that is related to the library. And since then, every year when this day comes, Hey Tavis, it's a day of victory for the library. It's always, but this year, we saw this victory of Dieter Notzach in several fronts in these days prior to Hey Tavis, in the week of Hey Tavis. And one of them is the fin- completing the renovation of the new wing and having the Hanukkah Sabais for the new wing, including the Kriyas Mezuzah for the three doors for the new wing that the Nogit Rabiosi Popak, that he sponsored the renovation and he renovated it prepared it, so he was honored with the careers of the mezuzah on the day of Heitavis. That's one of the didanotzach of this year's Heitavis. Okay, could you maybe in, uh, share with us some of the, you said on several fronts, what were some of the other things that happened this last year to Heitavis? Everyone knows that there is a lawsuit going on with the Russian government they should return us the original collection of books that was by the Rabbeim over the generations in the city of Lubavitch. And then by the First World War, when the Germans came close to the city of Lubavitch, the library was transferred to a storage house in Moscow. After the end of the war, the government took this collection and stored it in the public library in Moscow, where it is till this day. And we are, for decades, trying to get the government to return this collection to us, which is the core of our library. And they still refuse. There was a court case in Moscow, where we won the court case, but the books was not returned. We then started the lawsuit in the federal court in Washington. It went on for years. In the end, the, the judge verdict was that they have to return us all forum and manuscripts of this collection that they took from us. They refused and they ignored. So the judge, the court, put on them penalties, high penalties, forever they they did not return the books. They ignored the penalties. So the court put a order 
and the banks that hold their monies here in the States to put a lien on them. So the banks refused and claimed that there is certain laws here and there that do not force them to give the account of the accounts. We are not interested in the money of the penalties, but we want to use that as pressure. They should return us the collection. So they appealed the court, and they went to appellate federal court in Washington to say they don't have to give us an account of the holdings of Russia in their banks. Friday, this Friday, this past Friday, in the week of Hateris, the appellate court gave out the verdict that they, the banks have no say in this subject. They are not a party in this lawsuit, so they just have to do what they are told to give the account of all the property of the Russian government holding held in these banks to be able to put a lien on them till they return the collection to Chabad. So this also happened in the days prior to Heitavis, in the days that the Rebbe proclaimed is the Dan Notzach in everything that is related to the library. Wow, that's amazing. <clears throat> so will there any be any uh, polioites? Is anything going to happen from that? It's a one more step in the long journey. It's not yet the Gewelish Lema of the books, but it's a step in the right direction of a long journey okay. that we are already involved in that since 1981 for the last over 40 years that we are intensive activity trying to get the Russian government to return this collection. Right. Does the, I'm just being a little glib, but does the new wing have place when the Russian government gives up that collection from Moscow? That's also part of our plan. It has, as mentioned, place for 25,000 additional volumes in the Russian collection. We assume there are about 10,000 volumes, so there is space now for that when it comes to store in a proper way. Okay, that's wonderful. This has been fascinating. I want to thank you so much, Rabbi Shalomber Levin, from the Rebbe's Library, the Gilsa City Chabad, located in Brooklyn, right next door to Lubavitch World Headquarters at 770 Houston Parkway. And thank you so much, and we hope we can call you back when there's other good news to report about. Yes, sure. Thank you for letting me uh, tell the story of the Hitavis this year, and a good Shabbos. Thank you so much. That's great. That was Rabbi Levin. We got we have some music for you to listen to. And now coming up, for those klezmer aficionados, this group is called Shira Lee, which is Hebrew for my. It sounds like a name, right? Shira Lee, but it's uh, it means in Hebrew my song. And this song is simply just called a klezmer medley. <laughs>
with Shira Lee. What impresses me about that song is that they use an electric bass rather than, say, a tuba or a string bass. But I hope you like that one. Up next, for your listening pleasure, this is really totally different. We're being really eclectic today. The band is called Yoducha, which means make yourself known. And the song is called Kol Ribonai, All of My Masters, All My Teachers. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. 
Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. This week is the portion of Vayechi. is the last portion in the book of Genesis. Next week we start in Exodus, Moses, and all that kind of stuff. One of the focal points in the in the portion, the main focal point is the blessings that Jacob bestows upon his children in chapter 49. But there's another focal point, one that they usually really emphasize in schools, is the, uh, highlighted There's a picture that kids come home with, and it's just two hands that are crossed over one over the other. What was the significance? Towards the end of Jacob's life, he asked to Joseph to bring his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, to be blessed by Jacob. And when he brought him, so Manasseh was on the left side and Ephraim was on the right side so that Man- Jacob put his right hand on Manasseh's head and his left hand on Ephraim's hand. But he switched them and he put his right hand on Ephraim's and his left hand on Menashe. So he had to cross his hands over one over the other. So that's the picture that all the kids come home with. And, he, and he, Joseph says, no, you got it wrong. He says, listen, I know who's, what I'm doing over here. And he says, the older one will be for great. And indeed, the kings of Israel from the ten tribes were all from Ephraim. So, so what's the deal over here? There's actually great significance in the fact that Joseph had these two children, and he named them what he named them. Menashe, who was the firstborn, and should therefore have gotten this like great blessing, was named Nashani Elohim, my God has forgotten me, and I have forgotten my father's house. Where Ephraim is based on the word Ephraim is based on the word Puro, which means to be fruitful. I've been fruitful in the land of my subjugation. There are two aspects of Jews living in exile, and Jews have lived in exile for 2,000 years. One, which is a major focus on, it seems to be like the major focus of Jews in exile, is our yearning to return to our homeland, the country of Israel, Eretz HaKodesh, the Holy Land. There's a major emphasis on that. At every wedding, there's a glass or something which is broken to remind us that we are not where we're supposed to be. At the end of our Passover seders, we say, Lashana Hababi Rushalayim, may next year we'll be in Jerusalem. So there's always this idea, this focal focus in the Jewish people that we're not in the place where we're supposed to be. We're all supposed to be in Israel. That's one focus of Jews being in Israel. It's a very good thing because it has kept the Jews focused as a people for the need for a homeland and thus kept us as a single unit and recognizable as the Jewish people. That's been the thing that has really caused the Jewish people to survive. There's this focus on we have to get out of exile. Then there's the other part of exile. 
which we were not put here for no purpose. It says, just like the world, there is no place void of air. So too, there's no place in the world which is void of Jews. Jews were sent into exile as the primary movers and shakers for what's referred to as tikkun olam, making the world a better place. Making the world a better place means utilizing things for godliness. And it's not up just to the Jewish people to do this. It's up for the entire human race to do this. And so Jews have throughout the millennia have been sent from place to place to place to place. There's even a plant called the Wandering Jew in order to encourage the indigenous population to become more mindful, to become more thoughtful, to become more spiritual, that is a very important part. And indeed, you look through the millennia that Jews have been in places, those places where Judaism, where Jews were centered, were major superpowers, Egypt, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, Spain, Germany, and now the United States are all center, we're all centers of Judaism. What happened when the Jewish population left those places? Egypt, <laughs> Iraq, Iran, Greece, Italy, they're all, they're all pretty much third world countries. Their, their greatness is no longer recognized as a world power. No, not at all. Because once the Jews have left it, we finished that. We did whatever God needed to be done over there. So that country doesn't need to have prominence anymore. So the United States will have prominence. Okay, hopefully just until Mashiach comes. And this is like the last push. So what, Ephri what, what Jacob was telling us as his progeny and why there's this, every little kid comes home from school with a picture with arms crossed over one or the other is to show that, the, yes, it's very important to be missing our homeland, to be yearning for Israel and for the building of the temple in Mashiach to come. But we've got a job to do right here. And that's really should be our main focus because the expression of the Gemara, Haba HaTalia, one's dependent on the other. When we get our job done here in exile and there's no reason for us to be any longer in the exile, we all go back to Israel with in Jerusalem, with the temple, with Mashiach. And hopefully it'll be before we come back from this next commercial break. We gotta take one. Don't go away. We've got the Hasidic story coming up. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? Right on the homepage of the website, rabbifinman.com. You'll find uh, the right there way to contact, contact me. I'll contact you. If you contact me in the middle of the week, it takes me longer. Like I'm I've sit, right now, I'm sitting in my inbox, a letter that I got, I think, on Tuesday, and I haven't answered it yet. So I apologize to Claire. I will get to it. 
But the best thing is send me a letter on Sunday. This last Sunday, she may have actually sent it on Sunday, but last Sunday was uh, Hanukkah. We had Baruch Hashem. We had 125 people came to Jewish Ferndale. Uh, the mayor spoke, and uh, Senator Jeremy Moss spoke. There was uh, representatives from other officials. There were people from all over the communities, from all communities came, because Jewish Ferndale is a very open place. And you're invited to come, too, at 1725 Pinecrest Drive in Ferndale. Just check our Facebook page. It's the easiest thing. For events, we also have at Rabbi Finman, we have uh, archived editions of the radio show. We have other media in which we convey Judaism and the very important donation, donations page. Okay, we finished paying October. Yay! We still have November and December to go. So we need you. I mean, this is, we're getting to the end of the year. And Uncle Sam wants to see where have your tax deductions gone and if you have charitable donations. So we're a part of a 5013 corporation, 3C corporation, tax deductible. Uncle Sam will like you and God will like you. I'll like you and you'll like yourself. So go to RabbiFinman.com and uh, you've been listening to the show for 51 minutes. It's been a good thing. We hope uh, to bring you quality radio that you don't get anywhere else there's nobody else doing this kind of stuff and take a look you can go back i think four or five years on my radio on my website rabbifinman.com and you can see all the quality interviews that we've had and not too many places where you can get jewish music like the way we play it over here so do it we need your help we've been online for now 26 years march is 27 already whoa and uh do it today the hasidic story involves one Rabbi Avram Glick, who I met this man. He passed away in the 1990s, maybe, I think. Maybe early 2000s, not exactly sure. He's a Jewish businessman. He owned the largest light bulb factory in Great Britain. And at uh, one time had an opportunity to meet the Lubavitcher Rebbe in the early 70s. And the Rebbe told him, as a person with light bulbs, you should know that every Jew needs to be a light bulb. And the Rebbe started giving him little things to do. You know, go to this person, go visit this place. Eventually, he became like a roving representative, personally for the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So he would come to the to New York every year right before Passover on the Rebbe's birthday, which was the 11th of Nisan. One year, he decided, what is he going to give him for a present? He's going to start growing a beard. This is the early 70s, and in England, people didn't have beards. The only people who had beards were religious Jews, and this identified him then as a religious Jew, and he's got a business, and he was a bit concerned about the uh, the uh, the ramifications and the repercussions of maybe some anti-Semitic thing, but his business was was okay. Says so one day he went. He was uh, going to a certain town, like out in the the boonies, someplace in in uh, backwater uh, uh, England. And there's a major traffic jam, and people are just like pulling off to the roads. And he went and he asked one of the bobbies, "What's going on, Mike?" And that's Australian, sorry. And uh, the guy told them that they're opening a new shopping mall. This is like, ooh, a shopping mall. Early seventies England. They're just catching up. And the Queen and Prince Philip are opening, attending the opening. So he figures oh, he's never seen the Queen before. And this is like a big thing for for British citizens. So somehow he managed to just squeeze his way, and he stood right by the front row of the barrier. And when the Queen and Prince Philip came out, 
So Prince Philip Calic scanned the crowd, and he sees this guy standing there with a full beard. And he went over to him and said, uh, excuse me, I was in the Navy. He was a commander or a commodore or something like that in uh, the Navy in World War II. And uh, would you have per perhaps been one of my mates? And he said, I'm sorry, I've never in the in the uh, Navy. I'm an Orthodox Jew, and I'm growing a beard because of my Orthodox values. And he explained it, and, and Philip, Prince Philip was amazed and blown away that there should be a person who holds to his religious ideals and such with such fervor and happiness. And they actually talked for about 15 minutes, much to the chagrin of their handlers who wanted to get them to the next place because, after all, what are the Queen of, what's the Queen of England and Prince Philip good for? Photo ops. That's what they are. But eventually they got on their way, and uh, he, he himself <laughs> gained a little fame as the man who stopped Prince, Charles for 50, Prince uh, Philip for 15 minutes. When he came to the Rebbe, he had an open-door policy. All he had to do was, instead of going into the office and saying, may I see the Rebbe, he would just go knock on the door and open it. And the Rebbe saw him for the first time with a full beard and said, thank you for the birthday present. It's very, very fine. That's going to do it. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much. Hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>